brownies. Here we go. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Yeah, this for my dogs from the east to the west side. Rock it brown and orange with me, baby. Let's ride. Represent the land, let them know. Tell them, here we go, brownies. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode, an exclusive edition with uh, Carmen Policy coming up here later on in the program of the Here We Go Brownies podcast. I'm Allie Heisel. I'm coming at you live this time from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Join with me as always, Dustin out in Boise, Idaho. Dustin, how are we feeling tonight? Allie, I'm doing great. Um, my Boise State Broncos are doing great in basketball, not so good in football, but I'll take what I can get. Um, you're a big basketball fan. Look at the Cavs representing the land tonight. Um, so, yeah, basketball season, but we're talking football tonight like we always do because there's always something around the corner that Allie and I will find to talk about. Always. And with that, actually, buckle up, guys, because I have a feeling that this is going to be a jam-packed off season. So don't think that just because the Browns aren't playing that we aren't going to have content yeah. for you. Trust me when I say we have the whole offseason planned out. We're going to do position breakdowns. We're going to do all the mock drafts. We're going to do quarterback controversies. We're going to do all of it. So just buckle up. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. We're going to kind of take it slow because, as you know, it is a long offseason. Uh, but nonetheless, unfortunately, unfortunately, but fortunately, our guys can get healed up. Uh, but it gives us a lot to talk about. So just be patient with us. If there is something that you would like for us to discuss or you have an idea or you want us to dive into something, let us know. We're open to your suggestions. We want to interact with you guys. If you want to come on the show, we're all for it. So, uh, you know, just communicate with us, send us a message, do whatever you will, but we're excited for tonight. Dustin, we've got a jam packed show for you. Um, here at about eight 15, uh, we're going to welcome Carmen policy onto the program, a uh, former Browns president and CEO. So some big time stuff, uh, coming out of the front office, uh, from his perspective. And with that, Dustin, actually some big time moves uh, solidified today for your Cle Cleveland Browns. Um, uh, Kwesi Adofu Mensa is now the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. So he is the former VP of uh, football ops for the Cleveland Browns, Andrew Berry's right-hand man. Why is this significant? One, of course, he is Andrew Berry's right-hand man. Right. <laughs> uh, but two, if you take a look at his background, he's got an Ivy League background. He worked on Wall Street. He's a finance type of guy. So when you take a look at some of those deals that this front office was able to facilitate over the, the course of the past couple of years, um, a couple come to mind of, like, how do we pull that off? Ronnie Harrison being one of them. Uh, Kwesi really had his hand in a lot of that, yeah. uh, being a financial kind of uh, background and, and whatnot. So I'm sure he will be missed in this uh, front office, but the Browns are rewarded with two compensatory picks, uh, two third round picks, one this year and one next year. Uh, Dustin, I want to turn it over to you for your, for your viewpoint uh, on this situation and how this impacts the Browns going forward. Yeah. Al, you, you always want to see growth. Like even in our own personal jobs, you always, you're, you're, uh, you're not upset. It's bittersweet when someone like that leaves the organization because it's for an advancement. Um, but I got to be honest, I'm pretty happy that the in, the NFL creates those opportunities for teams to make up for it on the field, possibly to because they know what kind of vacuum that causes in the front office. Right. Um, and those positions, good ones aren't good. to Those good guys are hard to come by or female, male or female. Those type of people are hard to come by. Right. So they know 
that's going to be a tough fill for the Cleveland Browns. So do I think the Browns will continue to do well? Um, yes. Will it be a challenge to find that position? Absolutely. Um, and obviously Andrew Berry trusted in him enough to not only have him as his right-hand man, as you put it, Allie, but also willing to let him leave, right, for a better opportunity to create his own destiny in Minnesota, right? Um, so I, I don't I don't, I don't, don't fault him for that. Um, but getting those picks, now we just need to – we just need to see what those third round picks turn into now, right? Allie, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna mark that on the calendar. Like, okay, what did that third round pick? Oh, he's a pro bowler. Okay, I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> so, um, no, I think we'll be fine, but again, those are tough shoes to fill, right? Because here's the of truth course. how many times, and you know, our, our guests coming up, Carmen will talk about this. Sometimes you don't get it right, and all of a sudden you're kind of tinkering and rotating guys in and out, and it's hard to fill it. So, we'll see. So, yeah. Well, we're going to see this. I mean, get, get used to this. As the Cleveland Browns hopefully can uh, maintain some level of, of success throughout the hopeful, you know, next couple of decades here, you're going to have this. You're going to have poaching on the coaching staff. You're going to have poaching throughout the, the front office. Guys are going to leave for better opportunities. Um, but that should just be a reflection of, one, the culture, and, two, Andrew Barry, the this front office and the leadership putting these uh, guys and and ladies in positions to succeed um, and take op opportunities elsewhere. Thankfully for us, Dustin, this is an NFC uh, team. This is not in conference. Really, shouldn't impact the right. Cleveland Browns too too much, unless you know maybe a, a Super Bowl matchup or something like that. Yeah. Um, but this isn't a direct impact to the Cleveland Browns right, right here, right now. Uh, but Quasi does take an analytical approach to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so it's going to be interesting, Dustin, to see really how this does pan out. Um, all right, Dustin, let's go ahead and get into it. I, I don't know if you guys are having trouble seeing this, but uh, it does seem that we're having uh, some connectivity issues. Dustin, I don't know if you can still hear me. Give me a thumbs up if you can, or give me a give me something if you can hear me, Dustin. Um, I can hear you. You seem to be frozen. You good? Can you hear yep, me? I'm good. Yep. Okay, perfect. Perfect. All right. Awesome. All right, so let's kick it off here. Before we get into it, just want to remind all of you to head on over to Lakewood. Rough, or excuse me, Angelo's Pizza, the best pizza in Northeast Ohio, in all the land. Uh, you have a nice buttery crust, and then you have pepperoni cheese, whatever toppings you want to do, and then another layer of that same thing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Make sure you get your hands on Angelo's Pizza. It, you cannot go wrong. All right, Dustin, am I being hyperbolic when I say that this weekend in the NFL was the mm. best weekend of football in a long time. I was exhausted, and I didn't even do any exercise after mentally watching those football games and saying to myself, would I have had a heart attack after watching these games if I was a Browns fan? Like, that was a lot to take in. Um, it was a lot to just – from a but from a fan perspective – it's probably the best weekend of football I've seen in the National Football League in a long, long time. Um, I loved every bit of it. I thought it was fun. Um, but, no, I, from a fan perspective, um, it came down to the last play in every single game. Like, that's just, that just doesn't happen sometimes, right? Um, that was pretty fascinating to me how that, that actually took over um, those games. But you know what it also taught me, Allie? One thing came out uh, in that thing, um, and what and I'll tell you what that was. It was we need a kicker. 
we need a valid kicker going forward. Um, and I think we need going forward. Um, we have to have that kicker going forward to have on our team. So, yeah. And by the way, Ali, uh, you look real good now. No fuzziness, by the way. I just want to okay. give you an update. All right. It, so. If for whatever reason that happens again, um, I will just go ahead and remove myself from the broadcast and reconnect. So my apologies. Um, bulk internet sometimes isn't exactly the best here with this HOA. So, so bear with me. If I do have any issues, I'll, I'll just go ahead and remove myself from the broadcast. Um, but hopefully good to go. But Dustin, yep. I think that this, if this did anything, it outlined a blueprint on how to make a deep playoff run in the National Football League. One, you have to have above average to elite quarterback play. We saw that. Um, now, I'm not saying every team that made the playoffs had an elite quarterback, but at least above average, right? Above the threshold yes. of just mediocre. Two, you have to have a number one go-to receiver that can take the top off of the defense. Have, has to have it. And three, you have to have a kicker. It's a must. Every single game came down to that last possession. You've, you've got to have playmakers, point blank period. You can manage a game all you want in the regular season, uh, but when it comes, when push comes to shove, you have to make the plays in the big moments. And these guys, these guys did just that. Dustin, well, some of the guys who I would consider maybe a, a average to you know maybe not elite or you know Tannehill. He's he's out. He's out. You know, right. Joe Burrow made the plays when they were supposed to be made. And Evan McPherson, their rookie kicker, yeah, he makes that that clutch field goal. But Evan McPherson does not put them in field goal range. Joe Burrow right. in that offense puts them in field goal range for him to come in and be able to make that kick. Yeah, and, and what did we learn from this game? Some of the special teams will win or lose you a football game too, right? If you look at oh, some yeah. of the stuff that happened um, – where the kick goes out of bounds or you think it's going to go out of bounds, this whole little sneaky thing where you put your foot out now. And if you screw that up, you can really screw it up and you're not coming out at the 40, you're coming out. of. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not good. So. Not great. Not great. Um, but, you know, I guess that poses another question. Just as we look, look ahead to the draft and what this looks like this off season, poses the question, do you draft a kicker? And I'm not just saying as it pertains to the Cleveland Browns, but in the NFL as a whole, do you spend draft capital on a kicker? Um, data over the past decade or so really doesn't show a ton of success in drafted kickers. But the way that the game's played now and the way that you know we really see this thing going, is this something that you can see teams doing um, going forward? Yeah, but you know what I also think, Allie? I think... Here's the one thing. A kicker's psyche could be way off on another team, and then he goes to another team and he kicks the lights out of things. I'm almost better off going and getting the sure thing that has been a kicker for maybe seven, eight years to where he's kind of automatic and he just needs a new, fresh look. Um, that's just kind of my take, right? So, But that would be where I would go if I had to, like, I would go down the free agent route and get a kicker that actually really can bring in that kind of depth and experience. Because from a kicking situation, I always look and say, hey, the free agent kicker I think would be better. That would be my take, Ali, is the free agent kicker to go down. I want somebody that's had a lot of kicks 
and has been in clutch situations. Because here's the truth. This Cleveland Browns football team is built for the playoffs now. And guess what? Yeah. I would take the kicker. I would take Tucker any day to come in and and, and kick. A, I, I would be like, you know what? I can just sit back. I can have a drink. I know how this is going to end. Nothing phases him, right? I want a guy like that, right? Because here's the truth. Allie, this is a little before your time, but some of us when we were little kids can remember the Denver game and a game going far right off the top of the – in Cleveland loses against the Denver Broncos in an AFC championship game, and the city's crying because guess what? That field goal – I mean, I'm just telling you, that's the kind of stuff that that sticks with you for even when you're a little kid, right? So I'm just saying – the kicking has to be – I would go – long story short, I'd go free agent route. I mean, if, if if someone's available. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've seen a lot of recent success with spending draft capital on special teams rather than picking up an undrafted free agent. Um, a lot of these kickers have, have been with their collegiate programs for four – five years being that they, you know, prolong their eligibility with throwing COVID in there. I've had a lot of reps. Uh, I mean, right now I wouldn't say that there's like a ton out there that I would go spend a lot on. I think if this free agent kicking class is actually pretty good. So like if, if you're the Cleveland Browns right here, right now, yeah, I think you probably take a look at that. Um, punting though, I would say this is a good punting class. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, a kid called the punt God. Uh, go look him up. So, you I'm know, I think that, down. Yeah, go 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 look him up. Um, So, just spending draft capital on special teams in later rounds. It depends one on I think where where your assets sit, what kind of year you've had, um, and really you know what needs you have as a whole and where you're at organizationally. Uh, But you know, Dustin, I think that we're going to see kind of a shift in this. I think a lot of teams are probably going to overdraft kickers, and then we'll probably get back to that balance of free agency, undrafted free agents, etc. But I do think that some of the recent success that we're seeing in the playoffs and the way that it's come down to the final drive, the final possession, yeah, you're going to see some teams give up a lot to go yeah. out and get somebody that can be automatic. Yep. I agree. It'll be yeah. exciting. It's, to your point, Allie, this is going to be a jam-packed offseason. Um, it'll be interesting to see what unfolds um, with some of our free agents that we've had on short-term deals and stuff like that and how we're going to solidify Denzel Ward's contract, how much money we get left over, Landry. I mean, there's so many things that have to be dealt with in the next eight weeks. It's going to be fun, guys. Buckle up. Buckle up. Uh, One thing you can be certain about is rough around the edges, though. Um, For all of your handmade uh, mugs, glassware, they can do it all. They can put custom Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Browns, Guardians, Cavs, what have you. There it is, Dustin. They've got the beautiful skyline there. Anything you want, they can do, and it's high, high quality work. So make sure you check them out. Rough around the edges. Um, all right, Dustin, let's just do a couple of quick hits on the this past weekend in football. Crazy. Um, as I mentioned, this was probably – Actually, not even probably. This was the best weekend in football I've ever seen. Uh, Some of the best games I've quite literally ever seen in my existence. Um, Chiefs-Bills was just... I'm I'm speaking on a podcast right now, and I'm utterly speechless at how that game played out. It was just downright crazy. Let's start with the Bengals versus the Titans. Um, You took the Titans in that game. You know, I, I... I don't know. I had I had a vibe on the Bengals on this one, but what were your, some of your thoughts that came down to this one? 
Uh, not a very creative offense for the Tennessee Titans. It seems like they played to lose or played not to lose instead of where the Bengals were playing to win. That's what I saw in that football game. Yeah. And as that game progressed, it worried me because I was like, mm, I think Joe Burrow's got the hot hand and Tannehill doesn't, you know. So to your point, um, you know, it is what it is. So, yeah, uh, 49ers versus Packers. Oh, this one stunned me. I didn't have this. I mean, the Packers were my Super Bowl favorite. Um, I really didn't think that the 49ers had it in them. But here we are. Um, yes. Missed opportunity for the Green Bay Packers once again being taken out of the playoffs. Um, that was how I took that, to be honest. And here's the truth. We're going to have Carmen on here in a minute. But um, the Niners are in the NFC Championship game against the – it's it's the NFC West. Third, third time's a charm out here, you know. So – um, again, I feel bad for Rogers. Another missed opportunity. They're just, I, eh, it's just how many times has he been that successful and not been able to pull through? Right. So I mean, um, one and, and, Super Bowl under his belt. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of a crazy, crazy thing for him being one of, if not the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. It's, it's just a, a yep. crazy yep. situation. And for him to be completely, you know, or, or the 49ers just undefeated against, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers um, in the postseason mm -hmm. since he's been drafted, which is wild to me. All right, Rams versus Bucks. Um, we saw the comeback. We saw what we thought we were going to see, Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things. Uh, and then Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup had other plans. I was stunned to see this. I thought we were all seeing what we are so used to seeing, Tom Brady just doing what he does. I'm um, yep. going to come out victorious. And then it just didn't. It just well, didn't, and I, I'm just I, we're still not used to that. I think I had the Rams, right? You had the Bucks, am I correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, I just saw again what you saw in the Bengals, like the hot, the hot hand team. I saw that on the Rams, right? They were coming in hot, kind of playing loose. And I, my take is, I don't think Tom Brady's coming back. That's my take. I think he's done. I think th that was it. Um, they're all on one-year deals. I think he's done. I think he's. Uh, I think like he's done. Uh, retired. Done. Yeah, I think he's retired. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't even think that's out of a take. I think that's a mild, warm take. I think he's done. Yeah, I don't know. I maybe. It, I mean, it's totally, totally possible. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> at this point, like, what more do you have to prove? But at the same yeah. time, I um, I don't know. We shall see. Uh, Chiefs versus Bills. As I mentioned, this was probably the, one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. Comes down to 13 seconds. Patrick Mahomes did what he does. Um, hit Travis Kelsey for, for a walk-off there, Dustin. What, what was going through your brain as that took place? Two things. I feel bad for Josh Allen, number one. Number two, if anybody from the National Football League is watching this podcast, probably not, but if you are, change the overtime rules. It doesn't work. 97% of the teams that when the coin toss in overtime in the playoffs, win the football game. You had two great quarterbacks that deserved an opportunity in overtime to showcase what everybody was watching on there all the way to the end. Change the overtime rules. Those are my two takes. I think that the NFL needs to take a very serious look at two things to make it more of an enjoyable experience. Actually, three. Actually, three. The third one's like minuscule. But number one being overtime rules. I think 
almost everybody and their brother would probably agree to this. I think it's a pretty simple fix. Go towards something like what the you know college football does. I think that works. Scale it to the NFL. You can kind of tweak something here and there where they start yardage, etc. Um, that's one thing. Fix overtime. It's just egregious that you know Josh Allen wasn't able to have another shot at it. But rules are rules. We saw it in 2019 with the Kansas City Chiefs in the exact same way. Um, and then two officiating sky judge do something do something about the the officiating right now it's just not great that's kind of been an epidemic if you will so far this season and then third the the taunting thing i think that's so inconsistent and so inconsistently penalized Mm -hmm. um in the right and wrong places sometimes i think just like consistency across the board but i think that does fall into the category uh of nfl officiating if you can fix those things i think that's going to be provide much more of an enjoyable experience as it pertains to the National Football League going forward. And uh, Dustin, with that, let's go ahead and welcome Carmen Policy to the podcast, former president and CEO of the Cleveland Browns. Carmen, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We're so appreciative. It's a pleasure. It's great to work with the the Brownies and uh, and and Cleveland Browns fans. I mean, we had a raucous year this year rooting for them in San Francisco. Uh, you know, there's a, a big contingent of Browns fans out here. And, Is that right? Um, oh, yeah. And there's a Browns, uh, I'll call it a Browns uh, gathering spot in San Francisco. And uh, when when you're playing on, on Sundays or any night of the week, uh, that bar is full and everybody's dressed in appropriate colors. <laughs> Hey, Carmen, uh, Allie doesn't realize this, but I would like to wish you a happy birthday, Allie. This is his birthday tonight. Happy birthday. And he's going to go out and have dinner after this with his uh, lovely bride and family and friends. So uh, we thought we'd get you in a little early. So uh, with that, Allie, I'll let you ask the first question. Sure, um, of you course. Yeah, Carmen, happy birthday, first and foremost. We know your time is precious, so we'll we'll keep it to a minimum here. But um, as you approach the NFL offseason, you know, from a front office perspective, there's there's a lot of moving pieces and parts. Um, the Cleveland Browns are experienced that experiencing that currently uh, with the departure of uh, Quasi to Minnesota as their new GM. So my question to you is, you know, from your time in the National Football League, what were those first few weeks like once the season ended? Well, Allie, it, it, it kind of depended upon how the season ended. I yeah. mean, <laughs> we had five seasons that ended with successful visits to the Super Bowl. Those seasons were different than when we lost games in the NFC Championship. And uh, the challenges were different. I, I, I feel that there's a certain period after any season's over where you get used to what actually happened the months before. It it, kind of sets in. Either the euphoria sets in and you start thinking to yourself what a great year it was and and all the things that we did to allow it to happen and come together. This is a a moment in time that belongs to everyone connected to the team and no one will ever, ever take it away from us. Uh, And then there's the other times where you start saying to yourself, if we'd have done this, if we could have done that, if this game had gone a different way, if this official's call had been, of course, on our, from our point of view, had been appropriate as opposed to been mistaken, uh, <laughs> you know, 
the whole thing might have been different. Well, you got to get over all that. Whether you're carrying home the Lombardi trophy or you're not even making the playoffs, you got to get over it all and you got to get the work. And you got to start looking at yourself and you got to start looking at yourself, not making excuses. You got to look at yourself for what you really were and what you are. And sometimes when you look at yourself for what you really were and you were great, you realize that it's all going to change this year. And certain players who gave it their all won't have enough left to do it again the mm -hmm. following year. And that's really what's tough. Mm -hmm. Analyzing who has what it takes to carry forward, to be at least as good as they were the year before and probably better. And uh, <clears throat> this is serious business. And that's why going to your comment, uh, Allie and Dustin, I think, uh, you know, you, you referred to it too. Losing personnel that you value at that point in time is absolutely a, a major setback. Sure. Because these are people you relied on, people you work with, people you trusted. And you've got to hit the ground running. And all of a sudden you're hitting the ground running. And the guy who was in that office that you did trust, that you did rely on, uh, isn't there anymore. Now you got to go find somebody else. And no matter how you do your homework, that somebody else is going to be, to a degree, a great unknown. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's an exciting, exasperating, frustrating, treacherous time. And usually it's the month, month and a half, two months after your season ends that will oftentimes dictate where your present season is going. Hmm. Well, uh, Carmen, that kind of leads me to my next question. So, you know, you come from a storied franchise like the San Francisco 49ers, right? And now you are, you know, coming to a brand new team, an expansion team, basically, even though they are the Browns, um, but they're an expansion team. Speak a little bit to, um, I know we had some conversations where you were, with the league and stuff. And I found that really fascinating to where uh, you were leaned on um, and what that was like. And what are the challenges more importantly of coming from where everything's already built in, right? You have the same coaches, the same scouts, everybody's coming back to where now you got to order office furniture, <laughs> everything, right? Like, I mean, it's a whole new team, right? You're and right. So, You're right. So, so explain to me how you, I mean, you're basically now it's a whole different animal, right? So explain those challenges and how you uh, went to the league with some of your challenges of when you wanted to relaunch and all that. I think it's pretty fascinating. Well, and I'll rely on the two of you to kind of give me a little sign about, you know, you're going too long or don't <laughs> the go floor is yours. No, trust me. The floor is yours. <laughs> so I was on the uh, finance committee and the finance committee was a key committee in determining relocations and expansion franchises. And I'm going to admit the league did not hurry the process of letting Cleveland know. They made the deal with Cleveland that Cleveland was going to get a team and Cleveland would get a team that would play in the 99 season. But they didn't let the community know whether they were going to get a relocated team or an expanded team. And what that did was set up various franchises who were looking for a new stadium, great leverage, because everyone who wanted a new stadium 
pointed to the Cleveland Browns expansion <laughs> relocation situation with a brand new stadium waiting for him, including, by the way, the Cincinnati Bengals at the time. And they're saying, if we can't get what we are asking for here, we're going to seriously think of moving to Cleveland. Wow. And things are set up for us. That had caused a serious delay in making the decision as to how to fill a franchise in Cleveland. And it actually got to what I thought was an irresponsible and uh, damaging point because it had delayed it so long. And some of our best friends in the league, my wife and I love the Rooney family. And Dan Rooney and I worked very, we were on the same committee and Dan Rooney and I worked very close to all my years in the league. And he cornered me and said, we got to do something for Cleveland. Now, at the time, I'm in Northern California, San Francisco 49ers, living in Palo Alto. <laughs> I never thought I'm going to move anywhere, let alone east of the Mississippi, okay, even though it was home and so forth. Uh, so, But I, I agreed with him. It wasn't good for the league. It certainly wasn't good for the, for the Browns fans. And we were trying to resurrect the Cleveland Browns for the Browns fans. And so he and I conspired and we really put a push on to get the, the, the league to approve an expansion franchise so we can get it done and get things moving. We even had a very private meeting with Art Modell. And we said, this is what we're doing. And we suggested to him that he do something positive if the league move in that direction uh, as it related to Cleveland. And uh, he ultimately agreed and did. Uh, so now we're going to have an expansion franchise. Okay. I'm thinking my job is done. I'm going back to San Francisco and uh, let's see what happens. And then it, it, it caused a stir. As you know, I, I think there were what nine different groups vying for the Cleveland Browns expansion franchise. And I'm, I won't give you the whole story, but long and short, I get a call from uh, the fellow who used to run ABC sports, Dennis and Dennis said, you know, Al Lerner is from Cleveland. I'm trying to talk him into bidding for the Cleveland Browns expansion franchise. And uh, he said, uh, if he would be willing, would you come back to Cleveland? And would you take on the position of president and CEO and maybe even take a piece of the team? And I said, I, I, I think it would be interesting, but you don't understand. I could never talk my wife and believe me here. What, what am I going to tell her? Wait till you see the lake frozen over to Canada in December and the way <laughs> reflects off the ice. It's beautiful. It's stunning. It's, it's, it's like, you know, something you can't imagine. And, and he said, uh, first of all, San Francisco and that California is going to fall off into the ocean very shortly. <laughs> and so it, it, it was kind of interesting. So long and short, wound up having a meeting with Al Lerner. He was he was just incredible. And he was all Cleveland. He says, I'm not going to do it, but if you'll do it, I'll consider doing it. So we started talking and all of a sudden we threw our hat in the ring. We wound up with the team, um, a lot of controversy uh, from a, a, a segment that was, that Art Modell supported. And um, now it's time to put a franchise together. And you're, you're right, Dustin. There, I found out the furniture was rented. 
we got a notice they're going to come and pick the furniture up at the end of the month. And, <laughs> you know, you had no employees. They had the people the league had put there and so forth. So the long and short is about three months into the process, Alan and I got on this plane and we flew to New York and we met with Paul Tagliabue, who was then commissioner, and Roger Goodell. We begged them to postpone our playing until until uh, 2020, uh, 20, 2000, delay it a season. They understood, but there was nothing they can do. The contracts were done. The scheduling was out. The broadcasting was set to go. I mean, and the, you know, we just couldn't get it done. And so, okay, so we'll do our best. And I have to be honest with you, everybody worked hard. Thank God we had the fans we did uh, because they, they, they cut us as much slack as they could, but it was near impossible getting everything up and running in a matter of months, a few months, I might add. Right. And all the other expansion teams had like two years, right. 20, 27 months, something like that. And, uh, but but, but it, 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 it was memorable, very memorable. Well, you know what I say, Carmen, nothing comes easy to anybody that grew up in Northeast Ohio. Right? No, it <laughs> so, so, of course, Cleveland only had four months to put a football team together, right? right. We're not going to give you two years. That's too easy. we got to make it hard on you, right? Um, how, about, how about your starting tackle almost is blinded by the, the yellow bean flag oh, oh, by an official? I mean, yeah. he's yeah. blinded and in a hospital, in effect. They're threatening, yeah. they're threatening his loss of sight in that eye, threatening to lose his eye. Right. And one thing after another. And, and uh, uh, it, it, was, it was quite interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I know, you're, I know you've been taking interviews this week. Um, the San Francisco 49ers are in the NFC Championship game. Not a lot of people saw that happening. Um, you were a part of a lot of games. What does this kind of remind you of? Because this is kind of like, you know, I call this the heavyweight match before you get to the to the, the final the final ring, right? So um, what, what, what what's your prediction? I'll ask you that. Do the Niners win this weekend? Um, and, you know, this is the third time these guys have met this season, the Rams. What's your kind of take on that? And what's been these weeks like leading up to uh, championship week for, for each league? Well, I have to tell you, we've been in many NFC championships game, games, but we played differently getting there. And we, we didn't get there by not scoring an offensive touchdown. I mean, you know, think about it. The, the 49ers did not score an offensive touchdown on Saturday. They scored two offensive field goals. Yeah. And we had, you know, Hall of Fame members on the team under Joe Montana. We've had Hall of Fame members under the team under uh, Steve Young. So the manner of getting there and the manner of either winning the championship game or, or losing what was somewhat different. But this 49er team seems to somehow pull it together. And the, the moment they seem to, to, to handle the moment, whatever the moment may be and whatever it hands, hands them. And um, I think the Rams, who are looking so good and who, in my opinion, did everything humanly possible to prepare themselves to win this game and host the Super Bowl in their home stadium, including bringing in, you know, well, first of all, you know, Odell Beckham, I, I hate to bring the name up, you know, on, on, this, uh, on this broadcast. 
But look at him. He looks like a, he looks like a different guy, a remade guy. He's a, a team player. Uh, he, he's fitting in perfectly. And then, uh, uh, oh, help me out, the, the linebacker from Denver. Um, Von Miller. Von Miller, who at first, you know, was nursing that ankle. And he was trying to find his way into the mix, working with Dar Arnold and, and trying to become a factor. And now he's a factor. He's playing exceedingly. You saw what would happen these last few games. He's made a difference. And then uh, they're getting into their groove. They're getting into their, their, their proper mindset. And I see some real, real uh, value in that Rams team now. They almost gave the game away. Don't misunderstand. <laughs> I mean, so how we got, it was almost like, here, Mr. Brady, you, we have so much respect for you. We're going to give you this game back. Okay. <laughs> And, you go. Oh, I would say, what are they doing? What's going on here? And, <laughs> but bottom line, uh, I think I'm rooting for the 49ers. I'm praying that their defense does what it can do. Uh, I hope their running game clicks. Uh, but I think they're meeting a different Rams team at this point than they played all season. Yeah. I know. How, how could a couple of weeks change? Well, a couple of weeks can change. Look, yeah. look at the Packers. Yeah. A couple of weeks changed, and uh, I'm 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 going to be nervous about this game. Go ahead, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, you know, I don't think I'll I'll be honest. I, I told Dustin as soon as we started this show that hey, I don't mean to speak hyperbolically here, but like I think this was the best weekend of football that I've in my lifetime I've ever seen. So I'm not so sure that this weekend's going to be able to live up to what this past weekend was, just given the. Um, the excitement factor of everything. But um, one thing I do want to ask you, not to take it back, you know, you know, to, um, you know, building a franchise, et cetera, but, you know, just talking about culture and how important it is to build a culture and maintain it. Um, so with that, you know, I, I know as a president CEO and you're leading a team, you have a whole laundry list of items, but where does building and maintaining a culture fall on, on that list for an expansion team? Uh, well, First of all, it's critical, in my opinion, for any team to be successful to have a positive culture that people can feed off of, learn from, participate in, and at the same time feel a part of. And uh, we tried. We, we did everything we could. And we developed a family-type culture within. We weren't able to develop the kind of culture that was able to produce a winner until... Uh, unfortunately, after, the, you know, it was so sad that Al Lerner didn't live to see that year when we made the playoffs, because I really thought we were headed in the right direction at that point. And uh, we should have beat the Steelers. I mean, you know, think of what that would have been like winning a playoff game in Pittsburgh, beating the Steelers. Uh, I mean, life could not have gotten better than that. OK, but uh, but it didn't happen. But uh, culture is critical. And. Uh, if you look at it, culture doesn't always necessarily mean it's one big happy family. Because when I look at Coach Belichick, he built a culture. Mm -hmm. Not everybody was like so happy to be living in the house, if you know what I mean. Sure. But it worked. It worked. And he was able to make it work with people on that team that oftentimes you couldn't name more than three players on the team. You know, there were always the steady 
the ones you can name. And then there's, oh yeah, there's, well, who else? Well, this guy, well, you know, he played pretty well. And he, yet, not that he's a nobody, but he's not a major somebody. And he was mm -hmm. able to put things in place where you could win with a large group of majors, uh, uh, majors, major, shall we say, everydays. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it, that was his culture. And that was his discipline and so forth. Now, that wears on you sometimes. And, uh, but, but look how successful that was for almost two decades. Right. Um, so I looked to him and I looked at a culture that was created at the 49ers. And, and it, it was special. It was very, very special. And it transcended, uh, you know, a couple of head coaches. It transcended uh, two, uh, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Uh, the ownership was the same. But there were a lot of changes that happened in between. It transcended a major composition of the front office, and I, and it was part of part of that was the culture that, that carried on. Yeah. Well, I know I um, I got a question for you. I, you've been in this role, right? You just talked about your quarterbacks. As you know, the Browns have big decisions this offseason. Yeah. Um, the Baker Mayfield currently is in his fifth year option going into this season coming up. Um, they've they've already you know they're going to pay him for the fifth year option. Um, but you've been in this delicate balance trying to keep the current quarterback happy. Um, it's a very interesting situation. So I know you've been in this role where you've had to, as you talked about it, is next year going to make him better than he was this year, right? That's a tough decision. Right. Um, if you had your GM hat on and you were Andrew Barry and you were looking at this offseason, you know, what advice would you give, if any, and how difficult is this for the Cleveland Browns? Because I personally think this offseason moves the franchise in the right direction or the wrong direction for the next three to five years, possibly. It's that big of a decision. So go ahead. Well, it is a big decision because we are a quarterback-driven league. And whether you like it or not, you know, I mean, you could talk about a great defense. You could talk about everything else. But when you look at it, when you get down to the playoffs – Allie, who do you think made last weekend so great on both Saturday and Sunday? I mean, you know, uh, sure. I mean, defense has played well, and they're so important. And uh, but, but those quarterbacks lit up, you know, lit, lit up the scoreboards, and, and they were leaders, and they just kept it going and so forth. And and we personally like Baker Mayfield. My wife really she she. She makes excuses for him when he screws up. You know, she she's like, oh, they didn't help him out. Oh, the refs did this. Or, 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 you know, poor Baker, you know, if they gave him a little more protection and so forth. So it's kind of like, you know, one of her favorite grandchildren. She'll, she'll find excuses for them, you know. And uh, so I'm not going to let her guide me in my, my comments, but I would not like to be in the position the Browns are in now because uh, – I don't think I haven't studied it very closely, but I don't think their next uh, their next leader at the quarterback positions on the bench. Uh, I, I think that they have probably have credible depth, but I don't think they're looking to bring up someone that's on the team right now to lead this team to the Super Bowl. Secondly, you got a player who's the number one player on your league, probably from a financial standpoint or will or should be. And is he going to uh, is he going to be here after next year? And how does he think about it? And what's he thinking about? 
as he's preparing. And then what are the people who are playing with him thinking? Is Baker going to be here next year? Is the team committed to him? Is this a wait and see situation? And I, I, somehow, you know, you, you, but, but then again, you may not have a choice because you don't get rid of the first pick of the draft, your starting quarterback, a guy who's playing the quarterback position in the NFL and who has some talent without having at least an acceptable replacement. We're going to get a receptive, acceptable replacement. You're going to get it in a draft. You're going to get it in a free agency. You're going to, I mean, so I, I, I would not relish the position that the Browns are in. And yet I understand the Browns being in that position. <laughs> and what I would try to do, I think, is give him as much help as possible to make him look as good as he could possibly look. And then let the decision become a little easier in the mm-hmm. make. Uh, I just... Uh, you know, I, I really wish it would work because another reason I really wish it would work, I think Cleveland likes him. I, th- I think they like kind of the kind of guy he is, uh, the spirit he has, even like his commercials. You know? They're great. They're great. They're great. They're he rivals Peyton Manning without a question. I, mean, I agree. Well, I, I have friends that are not Browns fans and they're like, I don't know about your quarterback, but I think he's really funny in commercials. Like, I mean, he's even likable from a, I mean, he transcends beyond the quarterback. <laughs> position, so, yeah. All right, Carmen, I will get you out of here on this one. Of course, we greatly appreciate your time. Um, we know you got a birthday dinner to head out to. So we'll get you out of here on this one. But can you give us your Super Bowl prediction? Oh, that's tough, Allie. Come on. <laughs> I know. Hey, that's what we do here. That's what we do every week. <laughs> well, my wife was kind of rooting for Buffalo. Uh-huh. You know, she loves that quarterback and she loves the young guys. She likes Joe Burrow. She, she thinks these young guys coming up are so exciting and they're good for the league, but Patrick Mahomes is hard to root against. And so I, I feel that uh, it's it, that Cincinnati's coming along, but I think it's going to be Kansas city. Uh, and I'd like to say it's going to be a repeat of the Kansas city 49er oh, yeah. Super Bowl. But I, I have to tell you, I've got this thing hanging over my my head that's looking at uh, Stafford versus Mahomes and that the Rams might really get their wish and host the Super Bowl in uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, but 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 I also thought the Niners were in for one long afternoon up at Lambeau Field. (laughs) And I was so wrong about that. So I hope my friends in Cleveland who might, you know, bet a little bit, uh, I hope they don't listen to me on this because (laughs) you know what they're like when they lose. uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Well, we won't hold you to it. But, Carmen, hey, thank you for joining. Um, We greatly appreciate you and your time. Um, Happy birthday. And, of course, go Browns. Yeah, happy birthday. All right, go Browns. And and thank you both. You're, You're both fun to be with. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so Have much. We appreciate it. Take care. Take care. All right. That is Carmen Policy, former Browns president and CEO. Man, Allie, some insight there, Dustin. That guy has done a lot in the league. <laughs> like, I mean, to think about that, he's part of all five Super Bowl trophies that they, you know, and I know he tried so hard to build a winner in Cleveland, you know, and try to bring that Lombardi home. And I got to tell you, for guys like that, I guarantee he'd be smiling ear to ear and be in Cleveland or at the Super Bowl if they were in it because 
you can tell he really wants Cleveland to have a winner. And he tried not really hard only to- not only bring a Lombardi home to Cleveland, but also bringing the team back to Cleveland, bringing yeah. them home. You know who else can bring you home? Hey, that's Katie Klonowski out of now Berkshire Hathaway. Um, if you're buying or selling a home or you have questions throughout this process, Katie is your go-to person. Uh, she's the best agent in Northeast Ohio. She can walk you through that process. So, so make sure you give her a call uh, when you are buying or selling your home this season. All right, Dustin. Um, man, that was just, that was a lot. That was a lot of nuggets there. A lot um, of wisdom. I mean, just the fact that, you know, he's in a, in a room without, you know, you know, Art Modell and the commissioner having that <clears throat> conversation. And I mean, think about that, Allie. Like, think about if someone just said, Hey, Allie, you need to go start this company tomorrow. Um, oh, and by the way, you got to draft and you got to do all this. And you got about yeah, four months. I mean, you'd be like, You're crazy. I can't do that. Um, yeah. I just, th- the fact that they even put a field, a team on the field in 99 and were able to do that is kind of, Almost impossible, but they did it. So, yeah. Um, some other news coming out of the league as of today, Sean, or excuse me, yesterday, I believe, Sean Payton out as the New Orleans head coach. Um, you know, all signs are pointing to him maybe taking over uh, Cowboys' position should that coaching job come available. He's kind of been flirting with Jerry Jones for quite some time. Um, he came out and said that he doesn't like the word retirement. So, <laughs> I don't really anticipate him to be sit on his couch for too long. But uh, Dustin, I want to just kind of take a look at the Saints and, and who they are over the course of probably the next five years for them, which looks to be a pretty dark situation. Um, Sean Payton out probably saw the writing on the wall, yep. saw what that looked like with their cap situation. Um, first question to you is, you know, are there any poachable assets there that you think would be worth pursuing as it pertains to the Cleveland Browns? You know, I don't honestly follow the Saints a heck of a lot. Um the wide res- the wide I mean, do they have any wide receivers that are gonna be potential free agents uh in the offseason? I mean that to me that would be probably the most attractive thing. Um if there's anybody that could be um could replace, you know, some of that depth that we need a receiver Well, I good. think I, I think the only guy right now that's probably an unrestricted free agent is Marcus Willick, the free safety. He's 25. I really like him. I mean, he is tough. Um, but other than that, you're looking at a lot of probably they need draft capital. They're going to need money. They're going to be able, they're going to need to move some of these big time contracts that they have. Um, so we're probably looking more in the in the trade market. But okay. again, they are more likely than not going to need assets of all sorts and most importantly, being able to offload some of the cap situation that they currently have. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's um, if there's a free agent wide receiver there that um, they could get, I, I would go for that. But again, I don't know if Andrew Barry wants to go down that route, right? Um, I think we're going to have a lot of questions this offseason with the tight end, how much we want to pay for a tight end, a wide receiver, right? We let Odell Beckham go. He was owed a lot of money, right? So we kind of got rid of that salary. So I don't know. Uh, maybe we don't. I I could see us also going via the draft. Andrew Barry's been pretty good at hitting on his picks. Um, you know, I, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if we don't go out. I would actually be surprised out if we don't go this off season, unless it's a blockbuster trade for some crazy quarterback thing. I don't see us being big players in free agency. Do you? I you know that I would sit back and think about. It. Do you see us being big players at all? Well, define what you mean by 
a big player because like, you know, like, like like hey, we signed uh, Hooper, right? That was kind of a big splash. Okay, so like two years ago, two or three years yeah. ago, you go out, you get Hooper, you get Jack Conklin, you go out and make these splashes. Yeah. yeah. So no, I do think that they are going to that. That's where they're going to address their areas of need, probably head on. Now right. I think good teams. Now I'm not really classifying Cleveland Browns as a good team right now. You look at 2020 season, you say, yeah, that's a pretty good team. There's not a ton of holes to fill, but they still addressed free agency. You still go out, you get Jadavion Clowney, um, and you still fill some holes here and there. Right. I do think that they will be players in the free agent market, especially when you take a look at the de- defensive tackle room. Um, yeah, there's some true. guys there on the market. You, you've, you'll go out and get a veteran receiver, I'm sure, if, at the right price, uh, but you address your needs in free agency and you build your depth in the draft. That's what good teams do. Um, so I do believe that that's probably how this front office is going to approach it. Uh, but again, I wouldn't classify the Cleveland Browns currently as a good football team we're obviously picking number 13 overall in this year's draft um that's not a sign of a great football team so i think that you do go out um you know i wouldn't say you're super super splashy like the new england patriots were uh you know a couple of years ago or last year and spend all your money i I don't think that's what you do because you have a lot of good pieces and parts um you just need defensive tackle um, bringing in maybe another swing tackle to, to build depth there on the offensive line. Um, we talk about tight end. You don't know what that tight end room is going to look like. And we will do a, a full kind of a roster breakdown. We'll go position group by position group to really address this head on, um, taking a look at the cap situation, contracts, et cetera, who we think could be available. Um, but Dustin, you know, to answer your question, long story short, sorry, this is a long-winded answer. I do believe that they will be players in some capacity. Do I think they're going to be, you know, making moves left and right? No, of course not. But I do think that no. they address some of their areas of need. So you'll say they'll be more strategic with their planning and free agency and very deliberate when they bring those in. And I, I agree. You could see some very deliberate um, moves in free agency to fix things that they think need to be stopped gapped for whatever reason. I personally think they should bring back Clowney. Um, of course. Um, I think that's uh, that would be one of my number one things to do this offseason. Yeah. I mean, he proved his one-year contract. Give him two years now. Um, I'd give him a two-year deal. It, maybe he wants three. I don't know. Um, but he did say money and length of – I mean, he's looking at his future too, right? So, have yeah. To, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he proved with the amount of sacks he got this year. What did he get? Five? Was it five or six? Something like that. I know we talked. I'd have to go way back in our time machine and what we predicted Clowney would get versus. But um, I think he's earned. Uh, I think he's earned his paycheck, and you know, um, he also proved that he made Miles Garrett a better player, right? Because they couldn't always key on. Miles Garrett this season. Look how many sacks Miles Garrett had, right? So, well, to go back and look at it, Dustin, I mean, I projected Tack McKinley to have double digit sacks because uh, I thought that Jadavion Clowney would be more of the run stopper. And he was. That's exactly who he was. Uh, but he had 24 solo tackles. Uh, he uh, was tied 20th in the league with nine sacks and two forced fumbles. So, great yeah. year out of Jadavion Clowney. Missed a few games here and there. Um, yeah. Very consistent. He's told, like, point blank said, I want money. That's, that's what's going to determine. Hey. My next destination. Hey, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the guy sitting right up front going, show me the money. All right, fine. I'd be the same way. I would be the same way. Full disclosure on that. Uh, (laughs) But you know what? I think that they do have a lot to address this offseason. But I do believe Andrew Barry has a laundry list. And on it, and that's why I asked Carmen Policy, you know, maintaining a culture. It starts with that. Uh, right. That's always going to be your number one priority. But I think kind of off that when it when it pertains to uh, actual player personnel, 
Um, Jadavion Clowney's got to be number one on the list. Resigning, extending Denzel Ward has to be another. Talks of David Njoku, that's got to be another one of those conversations. And then that's when you start to look um, elsewhere, bringing in a media defensive tackle, uh, really honing in on the draft, so on and so forth. Uh, But real quick, we want to talk to you about the ultimate Cleveland sandwich. Orlando Bacon Company, um, you start there with your bun your bread, what have you. Um, they do it best. It's so good. Make sure you head on over to your local Northeast Ohio grocery store. Get that. They've got the iconic branding. Um, so head on over, get that. Then you throw in a hot dog or a hamburger from Five Star Meats. Because you know what they say, Dustin? There ain't no wiener like a Five Star Wiener. Then you got to top it off with some Cleveland ketchup. I prefer the garlic and dill or the classic, but let me tell you, the bacon and no. bourbon, no. the ghost pepper is so good. Uh, and then you got to top it off with the iconic stadium mustard. If you don't have this, you're doing it wrong. This, this should be in your pantry. Like that's just a Cleveland icon, right? Like yeah. you should just you just have it ready to go. I know I do. I've got a whole box in my pantry because because <laughs> I just do. Well, we should give So we have. We that. should we should give some of that away, Allie. Of course, of course. All right, Dustin. Um, so some good news for you is uh, you did come away victorious last week. Um, now, those games were nuts. Like, those were just – we've talked about it, you know, at nauseum here. But, man, it, it, it's so hard to predict these games. As you progress later into the season and into the postseason, it is so hard to say who's going to yeah. make the run because once you get into the dance, anything can happen. Cincinnati, anything can happen. So let's go on record here. Let me get my notes pulled up. We're moving on to conference championships. Dustin, isn't it kind of crazy how like fast this is going? Like this season, yeah. you know, it's just it's I don't know. All right, yeah. who you got? Bengals, Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, I agree. I think now one of road... us one of us are gonna have to play it up here a little bit. Yeah. Well, I don't really have to. I mean, I'm sitting in a position of victory, so <laughs> <laughs> what okay, Allie? What is um? So if we tie, is, it's no big deal to me. Or if I lose, you know, it's no big deal. Allie, so uh, you're funny. Um, what is what is the current record, by the way? Do I gotta see if I strategically? Um, I'm up uh five two and one, and you are two five and one. Oh, or excuse me, that does not that does not. You're you are a little bit closer. That does not include last week. Um, so I'm five three and one, and you are three five and one. Oh, so maybe I do need to change it up to get back into the dance here. Maybe you do. All right. Um, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs on this. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the one that I would probably take. But you know what? Hey, anything can happen. Both of these games, I'm I'm speaking really, well, all of them really, but Chiefs and um, Rams coming off of insane games. I mean, Bengals and 49ers, those were crazy too. But like the Chiefs and Rams, those were Pure insanity, high emotion. So if they were to come out relatively deflated, I would not be shocked. Um, but Chiefs in Arrowhead, I'm taking them. Okay. All right, next up, Rams 49ers. Who you got? I'm going to let you go first. This will make my decision. Okay. Um, part of me actually wants to go 49ers on this. And, um, me, too. and me too, and I'll tell you why. To your high-low emotion thing, right? Yeah. I really think that the 49ers are uh, – uh, they hit their stride at the right time. Right. Defense wins championships. Um, 
I, I think that the way that they use Debo, the way that Garoppolo... So the thing with Garoppolo, and we'll talk about this, he's going to be one of those guys that we're going to talk about this offseason. He's not the kind of guy that can step up and make that Patrick Mahomes throw to Travis Kelsey to probably go win you the game, but he's going to make all the throws to lead you to that position. Yes. Um, he, will not, he will not lose a game for you. He will manage it and make you a winner. That's what he does. But I, I think that the Rams' defense is also clicking. Uh, they <laughs> were able to get after um, Tom Brady. Look, I, this one's kind of a, a coin flip to me. Okay. But for some reason – the 49ers seem appealing. Um, God, Dustin, I don't know. I don't know. I'll make it easy on you, Allie. Whatever you pick, I'm going to take the opposite. So you're good. That doesn't make it any easier on me. I, I just, I just, um, <laughs> I don't know. Usually she's not this. Usually I don't. This is, this is the toughest. All right, I'll take the Rams. Give me the Rams. All right. Niners it is. I'm going all right. All right. Could I, I mean, I, I mean it. This one could be a. Here's what I mean by this. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams come out and put, you know, win convincingly. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. But also, I wouldn't be shocked if the 49ers are competitive up until the very end and Robbie Gold just does what he does. Well, here's what shocked me. I was ready for the, the Packers to boat roll the Niners at Lambeau. And I was expecting that kind of football game. And I'm like, whoa, it's 10-10 and we're going for the kick here? That defense is playing pretty damn good right now. And so I I will ride with a good defense because here's what I do know. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably not going to lose the game for you, right? Like he will manage it to the point to your alley. He'll be in at the end and possibly trying to win it for you. That's why I'm not too – I could go either way with you like in this, but I feel okay with my Niners pick. So. All right, well, let's just break down the blueprint real quick. As I mentioned, you have to have an above-average to elite quarterback play. Okay, I'm going to take Matt Stafford over Jimmy Garoppolo, and I, I'm – God, it's a tough one because Joe Burrow can't count him out, but I'll take um, – I'm going to take Pat Mahomes on that one. You have to have a number one receiver. Um. Tyreek and, and Patrick have a great connection. So do so does Jamar and Joe, but give me the Chiefs in that one. Um, and I probably trust Harrison Butker more than I trust McPherson just over the course of longevity, I suppose. And when we take a look at coaching as well, Andy Reid's been in this position before. This is kind of new water for Zach Taylor. But, hey, you know what? They're a tough team, the Bengals. Um, Rams, I'll take Matt Stafford over Jimmy Garoppolo. Number one receiver, Cooper Cup. Throw OBJ into that mix. Um, don't get me wrong, though. I do love Debo. And then ugh, I would probably take Robbie Gold, the kicker. Um, yep. That, again. But then you got you two really good coaches. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna stick it's with funny it. that you got some two great young offensive minds out West in that game <sighs> that know each other pretty darn well. So, yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, they know each other very, very well. A lot of <laughs> connectivity here. Zach Taylor worked for for Sean McVay. Sean McVay on the same coaching staff as yep. um, Shanahan in Washington. I mean, they all come from same style, so it's gonna it's gonna yep. be a fun weekend. All right, Dustin. Any closing thoughts thoughts as we wrap up on a, a beautiful Wednesday evening? Well, I, I have a whole new respect for GMs. Because you could tell Carmen Policy knows how difficult these decisions are for the Cleveland Browns. 
And he's right. What the Browns are thinking in closed door meetings right now and the things they're talking about for the next six weeks, he's right. This will dictate how good a football team or the direction you're going in. So um, I wish the Browns good luck on that because I know you got a whole fan base cheering for you to make the right decisions. And so far you've gotten it most of the time right. And we appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, also, real quick, seven minutes to go in the fourth. Cavs are up 104 at 85 over the Milwaukee Bucks. The Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, we got the Cavs up on top, 104 85. So hopefully we can get our 30th win of the season. Go Cavs, baby. I'm so excited. Allie, of course, this is a Browns podcast, but man, what a fun team. What a fun team. Yeah, we're going to have to have a Cavs segment now. I think we should have like a little five-minute Cavs segment. Maybe five minutes. Call- I'll talk about them for 30 minutes. I have no yeah. self-control. Allie, how about this? We'll call it the Cavs update. Why don't we just from now on have a Cavs update inside the game? Because this, this, these are all Cleveland fans that are talking to us. And let's yeah, not not all of them, not all of them. You get you get yeah, but people pick and choose. But yeah. hey, anytime I get to talk about my teams, I'm excited. All right, Dustin, let's go ahead and wrap up, guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks again to Carmen Policy and a happy birthday to him. Stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, Browns fans, go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs>